So the past few weeks, we have been in this conversation of fasting. We've been fasting for the past couple of weeks, and I got to say for me, um, it has been very good and very eye-opening. Um, the last time I fasted was years ago, like in my 20s, but then I, I, I did it again this time, and I'm still doing it. And it's so fascinating that I'm learning what I'm learning this time around. So if you haven't, like, begun to fast or you haven't jumped into it, that's okay. There's still time. So please find something, jump into it. And the reason why I say that is because there's something beautiful about rhythms. There's something that's beautiful about creating healthy rhythms in your life. Because this talk that I'm going to be giving you, it's not really like a three-point thing. It's going to be very much kind of like, this is what I feel like God was revealing to me during this time. And he still is. And so this is going to be very, very simple. It's not going to be like a three-point thing. But this is more of a conversation, what I feel like God is having with me. And I want to share it with you guys. But this rhythm, this healthy thing of creating a healthy rhythm is so important for your life. Because I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, wow, I did this fast one time in my 20s, and now I'm doing it again. But I've realized, wait a minute, every time that I create a rhythm in my life, every time I create a healthy rhythm in my life, especially when it comes to fasting and praying or tithing, those are moments where God can show up. And when I don't create those healthy rhythms, I miss out. I miss out on the opportunities of God showing up every single time. Because what I'm learning now in this fast is completely different from what I've learned in my 20s. So I begin to start thinking, what are the places in my life that I've missed out on God communicating with me in a very special way by, by not creating these healthy rhythms in my life? So again, this is just going to be a conversation about what God is having with me. Um, Wonder, my daughter, she has a rhythm, okay? When it's time for bed, we go downstairs, we put on her clothes, right? Her knapsack, everything. We brush her teeth. We read a book. It's been the same book for the past month. And it's at the point now where I'm just making stuff up, you know? She can't read, so, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, and um, we get to the point where we're brushing her teeth, and then all of a sudden she does this thing every single night, where I have to sing, yes, Jesus loves me, and trolls just want to have fun. It's, <laughs> it's a movie that we saw, and it's just every single night. That's her rhythm. That's her thing. Yes, Jesus loves me, and trolls just want to have fun. And so, again, I thought that, that was just kind of like very, very beautiful. But again, it's like she has this rhythm. And there's two things that I'm going to be taking with me moving forward. So thank you, Pastor C, for bringing this intentional 21-day fast because it has drastically changed my life. And so this two rhythms that I want to create in my life is this one of fasting and this one of resting. Fasting and also this thing called Sabbath. And so this, all this, these, these rhythms, right, they're part of living apart with Jesus. And all of this, right, whether it's fasting or resting or tithing or reading your scriptures or spending time with God, all of this can be wrapped up into this thing called life with Jesus. Or in Matthew 11, verse 28, it says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That whole thing of rhythms, those fasting and resting is just two of just many, many things that God wants to do in your life of creating healthy rhythms. But that, all of that can be something to that yoke, that yoke part. Another translation says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I love that word, the unforced rhythms of grace. One thing you know, fasting is not forced. Sabbath is not a force. This is not un- these are unforced rhythms of grace, which I love. And that yoke... That was basically just kind of like how uh, farmers used to plow the field and carry heavy burdens. So basically what you did was you had this bar that went across the animal's backs and oxen. And there's this loop and they paired with one oxen to another, an older one and a younger one. And basically they would just plow the field or they would carry heavy things. But here what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, partner up with me. Do life with me. Stick with me. And watch how I do life. And all the things that I'm telling you, I guarantee you it won't be heavy. It won't be ill-fitting. It will be easy. And it will give you rest. So here are the two rhythms that I'm moving forward. So one is fasting. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And to kind of give you some context here, uh, Jesus is walking. John the Baptist baptizes him. Um, and then heaven opens, dove comes down, it's the Holy Spirit, and then after this, this is where the Holy Spirit leads him. Okay? Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man should not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So one thing I want to make sure that we point this out, that when Jesus was fasting, Jesus was fasting, and it says here, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And I just want to, like, really illustrate this real quick. He was hungry. Not, like, spiritual hungry. He was, like, hungry, like a man hungry. And I think sometimes whenever we read these verses, we just kind of, like, give Jesus a pass because we're like, yeah, you're fully God and fully man. But, no, this was a moment where he was fully human. And I want to make sure that I iterate this because I believe this is Jesus going, hey, I want to experience what you're experiencing. I want to go through what you're going through. I want to feel what you're feeling. And so I want to make sure that we don't pass on this humanity part of who Jesus is. So this one part that he says, man should not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I was younger, I was just kind of like, huh? What do you, what do you mean man does not live on bread alone, but from every word? So like the Bible? Because the Bible is the word of God. So like, you mean like eating the Bible? Is that like what you're talking about? Like, I just couldn't fully understand like what that meant. But this was actually a, obviously a reference to the Old Testament. So if you go back to Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, it says this, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
Now, this part, this moment in Deuteronomy is kind of like the end of the movie. So we're going to Quentin Tarantino this bad boy. We're going to go back to the very beginning, and we're going to pull it back, okay? So this particular moment is in Exodus chapter 16. And guess what? We're going to read 35 verses. Love, thank you. Whoever said that, yes. Thank you. Yes, let's do it. We're going to read the scriptures. And so this is the Israelites. They've been wandering and they've been grumbling. They've just been grumbling and complaining and going, Lord, Lord, what's going on? We're hungry. We're hungry. They just came out of slavery and they're basically going, why don't we just go back? Why don't we just go back to being slaves? Because at least we knew where our food was. At least we knew how to home. But here we are wondering, we don't get this. What's going on? Side note, be careful to mumble to God. Because what you're saying is, you're saying is, God, I don't like how you're doing it. And I would rather it, I would rather you do it a different way. So be careful of the grumblings in your life. So let's go. Read Exodus chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 2. Here we go. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from, bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Pay attention to what God says. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded everyone. Is to gather as much as they need, take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, some gathered much, some little. But when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. 
He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because the day is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out to the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is out to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white coriander seed and tasted like wafers, wafers made with honey. Moses says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness what I brought you out of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer and manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for generations to come. We'll stop there. So basically... You have these group of people that were complaining. God hears them and goes, okay, cool. I'm going to do meat and bread, but please pay attention to my instructions. Some listened, some didn't. And when they did, they had bread. And when they didn't, they had no bread. So when they obeyed, they got bread, they got food, they got life. When they disobeyed, they got maggots, they got spoiled food, they got nothing. So what is God trying to teach them? The past few days, I have just been, I've been sick. And it's been going around, and it's, it's, it's all over. And um, the, the, the worst part about seeing being sick for me is just when you have, like, the one-sided nose thing, where it's just like you're laying in bed, and then you just do this thing, and you're just hoping that it just drips to the other side so that you can get a little bit of relief from this nose, and you're just going back and forth every single night, and it's just like the most annoying thing, right? But the worst part is when you get sick, you, you, it just happens. That's the night, and that's the week that they're going to cook the best foods, right? And so you obviously can't taste nothing. And so it's just like steak doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And one of my the best treats that I love is this thing where it's the caramel popcorn with the cheddar cheese combination right and it, I, I can eat that all day right it just tastes but me being sick can't taste nothing doesn't matter it just tastes like water right it's just like nothing but the thing that i actually love the most is the warm chocolate chip cookies you know what I'm saying? That comes straight out the oven, but it's like gooey in the middle, but then like a little bit of crust on the outside. Like it's just the best thing in the world, but it doesn't matter because you're sick and you have your nose clogged up and you're walking around snuffing all day. Like it's, 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 it's horrible, right? But it's like, I think when you begin to like not pay attention to what God is trying to teach you, if you're not paying attention to what God wants to do in your life, it's almost like you're just tasting food, but there's no flavor. There's no aroma. Yes, you're eating. Yes, you're digesting. But you're not getting the full capacity of what it could be. See, 
What is God trying to teach them? He's trying to teach them that man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. It will not bring me life. It will not bring me substance. It will not bring me anything unless God has spoken life into it. Does that make sense? The bread that you're eating doesn't just give you substance and food because it's bread. It's bread because God has spoken life into it. The trees does not just give you oxygen because they're just trees. It's because God has spoken life into it. The sun does not give you vitamin D because it's the sun. It's because God has decided that it's going to give you life. So here's a question for you guys. Could Jesus... I've turned the bread into stone? Yes, obviously. But he knows that it will mean nothing unless God has spoken life into it. So here's a question. Where are the places in your life that you are trying to turn stones into bread? What are the places in your life where you're trying to force something to happen, thinking that it will give you substance, thinking that it will give you identity, thinking that it will give you some sort of meaning, but God has not spoken life into it yet? See, these, these are the things that I feel like God was trying to teach me during this time of fasting. He's like, listen, pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention because you cannot do this on your own. You cannot do this life on your own. So this fasting is a reminder that I do not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. So maybe this week, maybe take a step back and look at where are the places in my life that I am trying to force something? What are the places in my life where I am trying to turn stones into bread? And try to find the places that I actually can connect to that is actually gives me life. Whether that's community groups, whether that's being involved here at the Vintage, whether it's spending time with God. Where are the places that God has said, this will give you life? And you haven't even actually tapped into it. So this is the one thing that God is teaching me. So let's go back to Deuteronomy 8, verses, uh, chapter 8, 1 through 3. And now let's read this whole verse. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to what? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting has taught me that I cannot do this life by myself, that I need God. And I have to be mindful and careful. Where are the places in my life that I'm trying to turn stones into bread? Fasting is the break, is a pause in the everyday life of consuming to remind me that I do not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. With me? Awesome. Okay, cool. So that's one thing that God is teaching me. The other thing that God is teaching me is this thing called Sabbath. Now, uh, if you have uh, known me for some time, you know that this topic is tough. This is a tough one for me. Um, I am a go-getter. Like, I'm just like, yes, let's go. Let's crush. There's dragons to be conquered. I'm ready to conquer them. 
I will be bleeding while I'm doing it, but that is my call. And this part was something that was just very, very interesting to me. Um, and this is hard for me because I'm just kind of like, yes, I want, I like to work. <laughs> I, I like the enjoyment of work. Hence me being an entrepreneur, like I have, a, you know, I have a small business. And so it's like, I love seeing that thing thrive and, and grow. Um, but even in this, God is teaching me the importance of resting, in this fast, God is reminding me about the importance of actually taking time to plug away, I mean to unplug and to get some rest. Now this thing called Sabbath, I'm telling you, there's so much you can go into this. I'm going to be skimming the surface of it. So please go back and take some time and read upon it. I'm barely touching the surface, but basically the Sabbath... It's these three things. It was a day where God rested from creation, where humanity had co-partnered with God, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. It was a reminder of God rescuing Israel from slavery, a way to remember where she came from and how she got where she is today. And a day of rest, a day to worship is a gift from God. It's like a day of rest from the endless days of work and slavery. And so as I was writing this talk, I was just reminded of the importance of rest. Even just like winter, we're in winter. We just slow down. You know what I'm saying? It just, everything is at a, like a glacier pace. And, but I realized that winter is necessary for growth, actually. The trees and the plants, they're actually not dead. They're actually preparing themselves and renewing themselves for the future. And even when you begin to work out, you need a little bit of stress, right, to get those micro tears in your muscle. But it's not the actual workout that actually gets the results that you want to see. It's the rest that actually gives your muscle time to rebuild itself so that you can see the results. And so there's so much power in resting. There's so much power in this Sabbath. So let's go back to the beginning of the first Sabbath in Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Now, I'm not going to be reading the whole chapter. Uh, if you haven't heard about this, I would probably go back and go to the Bible and read it. It's very beautiful. It takes some time to read it, but this is the creation. And what you're going to see is a pattern, if you can see it, or a rhythm. I'm going to read the first verse, and then I'm going to skip through some verses, and then we'll go from there. In Genesis 1-1, now I am, no, that's not the line, Jamar. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So this is kind of like the rhythm over the next couple of days, right? So on the second day, God created the sky. On the third day, God created the ground, the vegetation, and seed-bearing plants. On the fourth day, God created stars, the sun, and the moon. On the fifth day, God created living creatures in the water and the birds, blessing them to be fruitful and multiply. That's verse 22, so we'll read that. God blessed them and said, be fruitful blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. That was the fifth day. Okay. On the sixth day, God created mankind, land, animals, including wild stock, creatures that move on the ground and wild animals. He blessed them 
and gave them the command to be fruitful, fill the earth, and rule over the creatures. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, so far, there's two days out of the six that God has blessed. So the question is, like, why are you blessing those two days, but not the other? So in Genesis 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So he blessed the fifth day, the sixth day, and the seventh day. So what does that mean? This word blessing is something that, I don't know about you, but like I hear it all the time. God bless you. I want God's blessing. And after a while, that word just kind of just glosses over you because you're just kind of like, yeah, I've heard it. Yes, it's blessing. Good things, right? I hope, <laughs> right? Blessings. But what I'm reminded of the scriptures is the scriptures is basically saying that blessing is, is, is a favor. It's, it's a salute. It's a praise. And I just love I'm a visual learner, and so when you look at the actual word of blessing, it's, it's basically uh, 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 all together, it's a hand that's like welcoming, and it's just almost like a welcome to my presence, welcome to who I am. And so there's this thing where God blesses those days, and what he's basically saying is, welcome to me, have access to me, which I think is very, very, very beautiful. And so when he says that, he says blessed, and it's always next to the be fruitful and multiply. And then that was for the animals. And then the humans, he said, blessed, be fruitful and multiply. So to me, what God is saying here is he's saying, hey, when you have access to me, when you have that, 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 unabru- that just complete focus of me paying attention to you, having access to me, watch how you begin to have the possibility to enjoy life. You have access to life. So now you have the day seven. So what is God trying to teach us here? I believe that God is saying, when you step into the seventh day, you have access to me, but you have access to life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like whenever I'm working and working and working, I'm just getting bogged down. I keep getting bogged down. I keep getting stressed out. And there isn't a moment where I actually unplug myself and have access to the living God. I have access to life. And this is something that I thought that was just very beautiful, at the same time very, very important. That just as much God created the heavens and the earth and the stars and the sun and the moon and the animals and everything else that we have noticed and everything else that we have paid attention to, the seventh day, the day that is holy meaning separate, Right? The seventh day that he decided to rest is just as important as the other six days. That six that seventh day just am going like, yeah, cool, feet up, I'm just like resting, right? It's like it's more intentional than that. He blessed that day. He made that holy. And so what God is saying, hey, listen, this is intentional. When you actually take a moment and rest and have a Sabbath, a day where you can just unplug, you are actually taking a step back and you are reconnecting with God. 
you were actually stepping into the flow of creation. This was embedded in the beginning of time. And I feel like sometimes we might be missing it because all we want to do is work, 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 and rush, rush, rush. But here what God is reminding us, hey, listen, no, 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 no. This is the moment where you need to pause. This is the moment where you need to step into who I am. And when you take that rest and you do it with intention, you are reconnecting to me and you are looking back at all the beautiful things that God has done. One of the most beautiful things that we can do as human beings is this moment and this, this, uh, this moment of just being grateful. Moments where we take a step back and we go, are we being grateful for what God has done in our lives? And the Sabbath does that. This moment of rest, unplugging, does that. And I'm being hopeful. I'm being grateful. And I'm actually getting access to who God is by living and taking a rest in him. And stepping into the order of creation from the beginning. And I wonder how, if some of us, we are just going against what God intended from the very beginning. Do you ever feel burnt out? Do you feel tired Do you feel like, ah, I just can't get a break? Maybe there's a moment where God is inviting you to go, hey, listen, I need you to pause. I need you to unplug. I need you to step into the Sabbath. I need you to step into who I am, this life-giving of who I am, and watch what I do. Which goes back again to the very beginning. Are you tired, worn out, burnt on a religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. These two things that I'm learning in this fast is fasting is a break. It's a pause in the everyday life of consuming. And I recognize that I do not live on bread alone. I do not live on this earth. I'm, I only live because of what God has spoken life into. And the Sabbath is a break. It's a pause in the everyday life of work. There's nothing wrong with working. God worked for six days. But he took that day to take a step back and to rest. So the question is, like, man, if God needed to take a moment to rest, to look at what he has done, I think it's an invitation for us to take a step back and look at all the beautiful things that God has done. And I don't know what that looks like for you. And just to be honest with you, I'm still in the middle of this. This is not me and my high horse going like, let me tell you what I've learned and all the epiphany. This is me going, yeah, I'm in the middle of this. Like, I want this for my family. I want to create a healthy rhythm of this for my family and for myself. What about you? What does it look like for you to create a healthy rhythm of fasting? What does it look like for you to create a healthy rhythm of resting? What does it look like for you to create a healthy rhythm of tithing? What does it look like for you to take a healthy rhythm of taking communion? These are things that God is wanting to invite us into our lives. Why? Because his yoke is easy. It's light. And and you're not going to do it without him. He's right there next to you. And I just wonder how... So many of us, we're just trying to do this thing called life on our own, and we end up taking the world's yoke, what social media says, and everything else. And God is saying, hey, listen, you need to take my yoke. Take the things that I want you to do. Take the commandments that I want to give you. Hence the key word, take. 
Meaning that God's not going to force this on you at all. I think one of the most spiritual things that you can do as a human being is, is not pray. It's your ability to choose. Because before you pray, you have to choose. Before you accept Jesus, you have to choose him. And so what God's inviting us, I think, here from today, and from what I'm learning, and the band can, can come on up, but this fast has brought me closer to Jesus than I have ever in my life. Um, and I hope that even just me giving you this talk as spaghetti as it might as feel shows you just an insight peek of what God is doing in my life and that it's okay. And I hope this gives you a little bit of confidence. So if you haven't yet stepped into this fast, again, thank you, Pastor C, for doing this. This is a moment. This is your time. Let this be a moment where you step in and you say, God, I'm all in. I'm going to take this yoke. I'm going to put it on. And I'm going to apply it to my life. And I'm going to watch what God does. God is going to step up and he's going to be there every single time. The question is, are you?